Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Six, Michael Lombardi is going to join us coming up at 8.30. Go around the NFL with him. We'll do our NFL picks as well. But right now, it is time to head out to the guest line and chat with my partner on the Jets pre- and post-game show. You'll hear us 225 on Sunday, getting you set for Jets Dallas week number two. It is number 51. He goes by the name of Greg Buttle. Did you get any golf in today? Do I have any what? Did you get any golf in today? I'm on my way back from golfing. Wow. So you see, so you literally, like, until that last ray of sunshine is on the course, you're out there. Well, I had a big uh, thing for Tim McCarthy. You remember who Tim McCarthy is, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I guess my invite got lost in the mail. It did, because you work during the days I don't. <laughs> how, did you, how did you do, at least? Did you, did you do well or no? Oh, we did, I did great. I'm, uh, I'm actually here with Lance Mel and Bob Crable, and we're on the oh, way fantastic. back. Uh, to yeah, and we did very well because we didn't have to compete in the tournament. We we played uh, our own money ball, and uh, I'm not going to tell you who won the money, but that's that's beside the point. Yeah, that's another story for another time. Well, shout out to, uh, yeah, to Lance please. and Bob. It's like a it's a linebacker reunion right now. Uh, on the Absolutely. All we did was go around and do bring around the Rosie. It was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. And let me tell everybody this, too, because on Monday night, and I don't think you and I mentioned this on the postgame show, but I'll, I'll share the story now. Back on Monday night, when Aaron Rodgers goes down four plays into the game, and I think collectively Jet fans everywhere, you know, their heart was in their stomach, and they thought gloom and doom and the season is over. You, my friend, even though, you know, you put on the analyst cap, you're still a player at heart. And even though things were completely in despair at that moment for a lot of people, what did you say to me? You were like, it's a 3-3 game. There's still a, I mean, there's, it, look, there's still three quarters left. It's a 3-3 game. You could still win this game. You were still looking at it from a player standpoint of just try to win the game, and lo and behold, look at what happened. That's right. And, and, it, and it got to a point where it was 13-3, and, right. I, and I turned to you and I go, listen, this is a it's a really a one score game here, and uh, if if the Jets come out in the second half and, and do something, this game's this game is not over. And the longer the Jets stay in the game, the bigger trouble the Bills are going to have. And and it all worked out that way. Uh, Zach Wilson came in. I uh, already threw an interception, but he was down he was down thirteen three. Came back and they ended up winning the football game. I thought it was uh, gutsy play. By uh, by Zach Wilson, who hadn't practiced uh, against anything Buffalo for the whole week. You're right. All right. So I mean, he is the big story now going into this game, and I'm sure you and I are going to talk about it a lot on Sunday on the pregame show. We thought 
watching him in the preseason, and I say we because we had these conversations, that he looked like a different quarterback in the pocket. Maybe the statistics don't jump, jump off the page, but just in terms of him being a little bit more comfortable back there, maybe not as much happy feet, did you also see signs of that on Monday when he was essentially just thrust into that game without any preparation? I, I did. Uh, outside of the interception he threw because – I guarantee he didn't see he didn't see the linebacker. Uh, I thought he played pretty well. He, he he played patiently. There were times where, of course, he did scramble, and you know all the fans have their uh, heart in their mouth when he's doing that because if he goes down, there's a big issue. But uh, he got out of trouble. He he made things happen, and yet uh, I don't think anyone has given him credit for that win just because of the punt return for the touchdown. That ended up winning the the game uh, as a walk off uh, offensive play in the in overtime. If you're Nathaniel Hackett, and, and you and I were chatting up with him before the game on Monday on the field, how do you run this offense with Zach Wilson as your quarterback as opposed to the way you wanted to run it with Aaron Rodgers? I you know you know Dan that it may take by the way two to three weeks for Nathaniel Hackett to work his way into what uh, what Wilson can do. Because, obviously, they, they really don't know because it's all about Aaron Rodgers and what Aaron Rodgers was doing earlier. So I would look at that and say, all right, let's take it easy. We're not going to go over there and try to throw the ball all over the lot. We're going to do what we do good. We're going to run the ball. We're going to play defense. And we'll try to hit some short passing games, maybe have an up-tempo offense, uh, if he can run that, I, I think that's the easy stuff to do. Uh, the, you get a problem if, in fact, he turns the ball over and your defense is on the field quickly and they give up a quick score here or there. Then it becomes a problem because you don't want to try to play catch-up right now with Zach Wilson just easing himself into the game. So that's why I look at it and say Nathaniel Hackett's going to take it as, I, I don't want to say conservative, because you're going to have to make plays. The quarterback will have to make plays. But you're certainly not going to go try to take chances uh, until you know you have to. Talking Jets with Greg Buttle here on 98.7 ESPN. He and I have the pregame show beginning 225 on Sunday. Jets and the Cowboys. Take me inside the locker room, the player standpoint here, just in terms of the dynamic. Remember, things got dicey for Zach Wilson last year. Right, It seemed like the locker room had shifted all of its support over to Mike White, the Mike White T-shirts when Zach Wilson lost his starting job. Now he's all of a sudden the guy again. For the guys who were in that locker room that were here last year, is that something, and again, put yourself in those shoes, is that something you easily just brush aside? I, I, would, I would tell you, listen, if, if you've got good leadership in the locker room, that's all nonsense that, that uh, the media wants to talk about. You, you certainly performance dictates leadership. If you can't perform, you can't lead. Let's just make it that simple. Now you're a quarterback. You've got to perform. And then once you start performing and you make some plays, then you get more confidence from the rest of the team. But it's your leadership in the locker room, the veterans that are going to be able to lead that through there. I'm not so sure that, that, that uh, uh, the head coach – is responsible for that. That's why he's got that locker room in place, just in case those things happen. You're not going to be able to win in this league unless you have a good locker room. 
This defense, which was a very good defense last year, supposed to be an even better defense this year, well, one of the things that was missing from the resume last year was maybe the turnovers. Well, last year, or la Monday night, they got a bunch of them. They got four of them. Now, you can't expect to force four turnovers each and every week, but don't you think if they're a, a little bit larcenous, taking the football away from the opposing offense, that'll make things a heck of a lot easier on whoever the heck the quarterback is going to be? Well, well let's, let's just make sure we're all on the same page when we talk about turnovers. You cannot have a great defense in this league without a good offense. You can have a good defense, but you're going to get tired. The game is made for scoring points. Pass the ball. Score it up. Put the pressure on the defense. Make, make them get caught on the field with situation substitution. So you have to have a good offense in order to have a great defense. And you've got to have an offense that's ahead in the game for you to get turnovers. No one's going to take the chance to keep throwing the ball all over the lot in a game that uh, you're ahead by three touchdowns. So if the Jets' offense is able to score points and have the other team do must plays, come from behind, that's when you can get uh, interceptions. That's when you can get turnovers. From what you saw from that defense on Monday night, and granted, it's just one game, was it as advertised, like everything we expected it to be once the starters were in there playing? And remember, they didn't even have Carl Lawson part of that defensive line on Monday night. W what did you think out of the performance of the defense against the Buffalo Bills? Well, this is just my humble opinion because I've only done it for a few years, but yeah. that defense is better than advertised. I'm, I, they, they are deep everywhere. I mean, maybe the only place they're not deep is in is it uh, is it linebacker. But I mean, they can cover. Their secondary is very good. They've they've got seven deep, eight deep on the defensive line. That's awesome. I don't think there's a team in the history of the NFL that's had seven or eight deep that you could rotate and not miss somebody being on the field. So if you have that, want to be historic. And I'm not, and 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 Reed came out with it, but he didn't compare the Jets' defense to the the Bears' '85 defense. Nobody does that. But what you want to do is you want to aspire to be historic, a la the Chicago Bears or yeah. the the 2008 Pittsburgh Steelers or the 2002 Tampa Bay Bucks. You want to you want to aspire to that, and they can be historic, but you can't be historic in this league. This, in this decade now, without an offense that can score points. You know, it's funny, too, because, look, Jordan Whitehead had the huge night, and you're not going to have three interception games that often. It just doesn't happen. Um, but I talked with him yesterday for the pregame show, and one of the things that I mentioned to him was, you know, he was playing a lot of single high in that game on Monday night, and that wasn't something we saw him do a lot last year. Like, he was more of a box safety and he even acknowledged that when I brought it up, and he said, yeah, that's something we're mixing in a little bit more this year. So who knows? I mean, maybe you're going to see Jordan Whitehead being a little bit more opportunistic and picking off passes because he displayed that he indeed has the range to be that so-called center fielder in the back of that secondary. Well, you, you know, think about it like this, too, is that, first of all, uh, last year you had a uh, rookie on one side, you had injuries on the other, you had you – had, uh, uh, people coming and going during the season you're always behind in games and it was it's difficult to to play like that then you find out and you've got corners that can cover 
hey, I, if I have a if I have a safety that has range and he's athletic like like uh, Jordan Whitehead is, all of a sudden that expands his role on defense. You can depend on him as a corner to be on top when he's never really supposed to be on top because he's got the feel for the game and the way that they're playing defense now. So to me, I think it's spectacular. And hey, hey, listen, that wasn't an anomaly with Jordan Whitehead making those plays. That was that was that was. I'm going to say drawn up for his ability to make those plays. And Olbrecht's done a good job in transitioning him from one year to the next. No no doubt about it. Final thing here with our pal Greg Buttle. You look at this Cowboys team, and look, they look spectacular on Sunday night. Okay, 40 to nothing. We know they're not going to win every game 40 to nothing. Everything that could have gone right for them Sunday night, it went right. But as a player and as a team, you're only basing this, you look at the film, you're looking at one game. Is it easy to sometimes fall into a trap when you're looking at film that's that impressive, even though it's just one game, as far as trying to get a true indication of what you're going up against? You know, you know that's, that's a good question, Dan. All I can tell you is, uh, from a professional's point of view, is you are looking at film. And film doesn't lie. The, the media happened, but the film doesn't lie. In other words, there were, there were plays that, yes, the Dallas Cowboys played very well at times on defense. And there were times that the, the, the Giants played so poorly, it didn't matter who was rushing the passer, whether it was poor um, uh, execution by the offensive line or missed blocks, all of those things. That comes out on film, and you can see it. And then you can say, well, Dallas Cowboys aren't as good as everyone's saying they are. And by the way, when you look at the Jets, when you look at the Jets offense, say, hey, the Jets offense wasn't as bad as they are. So from a player's perspective, you're saying there, there's nobody that's unbeatable and nobody that is the Goliath of the league yet. Now, Dallas did play good. You can't take anything away from them because they win 40 to nothing. That's very, very difficult to do on right. any scale in the NFL is shutout. So you've got to have respect for what they do defensively and make sure you take away what they do best. I don't know if the Jets are going to be able to do that Sunday or not, but you, you can bet they're practicing on it and they're all having confidence. That, hey, listen, we don't turn the ball over. Jets are going to go out there and say, all right, now let's see what you got. 225 is when our coverage begins. Jets countdown to kickoff. Greg and myself. You're, you said you're taking care of the uh, the little chicken sandwiches. You're going to be bringing those. Yes, I am. It's the, those minis. The minis are great, aren't they? Oh, they're fantastic. I even eat the minis. You know that. Oh, the KFC stuff is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, baby, cannot Thanks. wait. Oh, thank you, my friend, for hopping on. Uh, safe travels, and uh, we'll see you Sunday. It's always good to be heard. Thanks, buddy. All right. There's our pal Greg Buttle. He and I got Jets countdown to kick off Sunday, as per usual, 225, getting you set for the Jets and the Cowboys. All right. Mike Lombardi's joining us at 830. NFL picks to follow. Me and you on the phones when we return. It's Grasa till 9 right here on 987 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasa Show. 
on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Giants need to win this game this week, folks. No other way around it. You know, we mentioned it on the show last night that style points need not apply for this one. You got to win the game because 0-2 not only would it be a disaster losing to the Arizona Cardinals, 0-2 in all probability becomes 0-3 because then you got the San Francisco 49ers up next. Big effort from Saquon Barkley would certainly go a long way towards achieving a win for the Giants this week. He was asked if he feels the need that he's got to put the team on his back. I don't think that's a mindset. I kind of let myself get trapped in that before. A couple years ago against Pittsburgh, I didn't have too well of a game. And the next week I came out with, the, oh, I want to do this and do that and try to be a superhero and make all these plays and I end up tearing my ACL. So I won't allow myself to ever really get caught up in that. I want to be the guy for my team every single week, no matter prior to the week before. I want to go out there and make plays. And, you know, when the plays are called for me, go out there and make it for my team. I mean, it was tough sledding for everybody in a giant uniform on Sunday night. Barkley had, you know, 51 yards rushing, 12 carries. Not too bad. I mean, for the the workload that he had. Now, remember, you know, he's not going to get as many opportunities running the football, especially after halftime, because you're down 20, whatever it was, to nothing at halftime. So they're going to be throwing the ball heavily, and you're probably going to abandon the run game. just comes with the territory. Um, also, Saquon was asked if he feels a sense of urgency going into this game this week. To be completely honest, no. And I think that's important. We can't act like the sky's falling. That's for everyone else to do that. But we got to stay solid. The core got to stay solid within his locker room, within his building. And I think we did that. And like I said, hopefully on Sunday we can go out there and show you guys. Well, all right, I'll be the one to say the sky's falling. Because guess what? If you lose to the Arizona Cardinals, then the sky really is going to be falling. You're going to wake up and there's going to be sky at your feet. Okay? Because you can't lose to the Cardinals. You can't. They are abysmal. I think it's a reflection on Washington more than anything else. What we saw last week is that the Cardinals were hanging around in that game and nearly pulled it off. It's amazing, right? Like all this Washington optimism 
It's just because the owner was is the hell out of there. It's just more like an anti-Dan Snyder sentiment than anything else that has to do with the actual football team. I mean, they said they're talking up like Sam Howell's the answer. 800-919-3776. Here's our good buddy Tino in Staten Island. He's up next here on 98.7. Tino, how's the uh, injured wheel, my friend? How you doing? So, uh, I'm doing excellent, Dan. We're in week 14 of my uh, Achilles. And when I heard uh, Rogers come out and say today that he could come back, I really do think he could come back. Dan, I'm already 14 weeks. I'm, al- I'm already cutting and jumping and running with no surgery. Think about it. He had the reconstruction. I didn't even go through the surgery. And I'm already running on a treadmill at a speed of like 7.0. Well, wait so a second. Did you, did you have a full tear? Full-blown tear, Dan. Full-blown ACL. I mean, sorry, uh, Achilles rupture. I went to hospital special surgery. They wanted to operate me, Dan. I, I thought about it. I started doing my own. I'm like Rogers. I started doing my own research. I looked into there's only a 5.6% chance of re-rupturing it again if you don't do the surgery. Again, I'm 44 years old. I'm not Aaron Rodgers. I'm not out there playing uh, professional sports. So I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna rehab it and let it heal on its own. The way they, uh, the way they heal, Dan, they heal with a uh, scar tissue. Because I didn't I reattach the tendon, what will happen is scar tissue will heal right in between and it reattaches on its own. So right now, I go to therapy three days a week. Like I said, I'm already running really quick. I'm already jumping, cutting, doing all kinds of kind of exercises so to tell me that rogers can't come back in five months i believe 100 percent he's going to be able to come back i'm telling you science has shown you don't need to even have these reconstructions anymore it's really proven right now well what's interesting is and again i'm not a doctor tina so i have no idea and i gotta run because i gotta hit a break here but i thank you for checking in and you know what i don't know if it alters the timeline in any way because you didn't have the surgery versus somebody who did like rogers I guess it's as not as non-evasive now as it once was, you know, with medical science and what it is. But, hey, Tino's not going to be sitting there BSing. He's got no reason to. So if he's at 14 weeks, you know what? Maybe you have a little bit of optimism there. Who knows? It's still going to be an extreme uphill climb for Rodgers to make an appearance again this year. And, look, when the Jets are faced with the situation that you put them on IR and really end the season, that's – they, they might take the decision out of his hands, and they're going to have to make that decision a lot sooner than, you know, December and January. Because you don't want to play shorthanded as a roster either. All right, 800-919-3776. We come back. We'll talk to Michael Lombardi. Go around the NFL with him. He's got a new book out as well. Grasses Show till 9, right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasses Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. 
Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Go around the league now with our good pal. He is the host of the Lombardi line. That is on VEASAN. He's also a former general manager, a three-time Super Bowl winning executive, and he's an author as well. His new book is called Football Done Right, setting the record straight on coaches, players, and the history of the NFL. You can get that wherever books are sold, Amazon, everything. It's our pal Michael Lombardi, who's nice enough to join us on the program. Michael, Dan Grassa, good to catch up again, my friend. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. As you can imagine here in New York, I mean, the big story for the last five days has been what happened Monday night at MetLife Stadium with Aaron Rodgers. When you assess everything that transpired, him not being a part of the mix now, how do you think that alters the vision for this Jets team this season? It can't alter anything. I mean, you know, you can't lower your expectations. You've got to move on. That's called the NFL. I mean, we've seen this happen before. You know, we've seen that, you know, Tommy Maddox gets hurt and this rookie named Ben Roethlisberger takes over. We saw it in New York when Phil Sims got hurt and Jeff Hostetler took over and they won a Super Bowl. So, look, if you've got a good defense and you've got good kicking game and you find a way to manage your offense correctly, you don't allow uh, Wilson to beat you. And Wilson meets you halfway, too. Now, that's going to be the most important part of this element is he's got to be willing to commit himself to the preparation and mature him in terms of what he needs to do he's watched Rodgers do it but you're not going to run Rodgers offense with with Zach Wilson I mean you're not changing the play at the line of scrimmage you're not going to get in a check with knees you're not going to kind of have eye contact you're going to have to run the offense and you're going to have to rely on Brees Hall you're going to have to rely on you know field position from the special teams and your defense to create turnovers do you believe that this roster around Zach Wilson, really on both sides of the ball, is indeed good enough to maybe support a quarterback that is still trying to figure this thing out, even in year number three? Well, look, most NFL games, and I say most, what I would say when I say most, 90%, are determined by the fourth quarter. And in the fourth quarter, you're going to have to, to win a game, you're going to have to convert third downs. And to convert third downs, you got to throw the ball effectively. And you got to be really accurate. Brett Favre used to say a lot of quarterbacks can throw the ball through the door, some can hit the doorknob, but the great ones throw it through the keyhole. And you're going to have to throw it through the keyhole in big games in the fourth quarter. He's going to have to do that. You know, we're not playing Navy this week. You're not blowing everybody out. So you're going to have to win the game in the fourth quarter. And that's where he's going to have to show up, and he's going to have to make his plays. And they're going to have to be really good and dialed in in terms of 
giving him stuff that he runs. I mean, you're not going to have this expansive playlist because that's not what he does well. You're going to have to find things he does well and make sure he doesn't beat you. Speaking of the Navy, uh, a team that probably could have called the Navy for some help on Sunday night, especially with all the water in the stadium, were the New York Giants, who just absolutely got shellacked by the Dallas Cowboys. Is that the type of game, and you've been around the league a long time, is that the type of game, even though in week one you just flush it and move on to the next one? Or do you think, you know, there's some legit cause for concern from what you saw there? Well, the game got away from it. I mean, look, I, I was on the other side of one of those. In 1989, we played Pittsburgh when I was with the Cleveland Browns in Pittsburgh. And they beat and we beat them 51 to nothing. And then seven weeks later, they beat us 17 to seven. So, you know, you don't want to overreact. The game got away from them. The, the, the bad snap by the rookie center created a problem. Then the blocked field goal. I think what it taught Brian Dayball for me mm-hmm. is there's a style of play with Daniel Jones. I don't care if you paid him 40 million, but he's effective when you played the way you played last year. Like, don't think because you played him, you paid him 40 million he's all of a sudden going to become a different player. Like, you paid him to keep him, that's fine. If you wanted to do it, that's fine, because the alternative was nothing. But don't think he's going to become a different quarterback. Go back to what you did last year. You're going to have to be conservative, run the ball, let him run the ball, make make plays at the right time. And they got to get that offensive line, especially Evan Neal at right tackle. they got to get him to play at a higher level. No, I agree with you on that one, and certainly the offensive line, especially even on the interior, and apart from Evan Neal, you know, they got to get that thing shored up a little bit. I wonder if Dayball's going to maybe implement some uh, lineup changes going into this game coming up on Sunday, though. But, you know, when you look at this team, I don't know what your original forecast was for them for the upcoming season. A lot of people thought that, hey, you know, the Giants were way ahead of schedule last year by making the playoffs, winning a playoff game, but maybe they didn't upgrade enough significantly harder schedule. What did you think this team was capable? of this year you know I, I thought they were going to take a step backwards not because I, I thought they could be a better team with a worse record look, look when you break down their games every time they played a good team a playoff team you know they they did they struggled I mean they never got close to beating Philly last year I know in the Davis Webb game they did but that was a little bit misleading mm-hmm. you know I'm not sure that really mattered but to me the other two games were blowouts and Dallas they played Dallas against Cooper Rush. They couldn't win that game. They played Dallas down in Dallas. It was 27-20, to 20, but it wasn't as close as that score. Every time they played a good team, it was hard for them. I mean, look, they barely beat Houston last year. Houston turned the ball over, never punted in the second half, turned it over. Detroit walked in the stadium and routed them. Now, they beat a bad Minnesota team in the playoffs. They lost them in the regular season. I think they were they're two drafts away is what I kept saying. And my concern is, are they good enough with the quarterback? Now, they think they are, and that's fine. They're entitled to think that. Mm -hmm. But I think it's going to be really challenging to get him to play when he has to play fast. See, the Cowboys are so fast on defense. They make you play at a different tempo. And I don't think Jones plays at that tempo consistently. Interesting. Well, and and the way they structure the contract, it's really just a two-year audition, right? Because after next year, they could get out from that with minimum kind of penalty there. So we'll see. He's got a lot to prove for sure over the next couple of seasons. We're talking with Michael Lombardi. He, the host of the Lombardi line uh, on VEASAN right here on 98.7 ESPN. Another quarterback who played in MetLife Stadium this weekend, Josh Allen on Monday night. Now, we saw him turn the ball over four times. And look, at times he is guilty of making some of those mistakes. He's able to overcome it because of his incredible talent, of course. But when you look at Josh Allen so far now, what is this, year five of his career, year six, whatever it is, do you see? 
see a player that is still too mistake-prone, in your opinion, to be one that you can count on to take it where you want to go? Yeah, I, I think he tries to do too much. You know, I think he's not comfortable letting the offense help him. And he's forcing the ball to Diggs, whether it's because Diggs wants the ball or whatever it is. But I think there's times where he plays outside his comfort zone. And look, the guy's hard to tackle. He's hard to get on the ground. He can make some incredible plays. His arm strength goes from one end of the field to the other. But at the end of the day, the system of offense that they need to run doesn't contain any power. I'm a big believer that they need – when he's the main runner in the offense, they're a better team. But the problem is when he's the main runner, he prone, it's prone to get him hurt, and you've got to be careful there. So for me, you know, it's a little bit of I think they need to have more physicality. I think that's been a problem on offense, been a problem on defense. I mean, last year Cincinnati walked in there with a bad offensive line, backups mm-hmm. in the offensive line, and beat them. And, you know, and they did a great job of keeping him from throwing the ball up the field. They tackled him when he got in space. And they kind of lured them into believing, can you run the football? And Buffalo really can at the end of the day. Philadelphia's off to a 2-0 and start. You know, they've had some close ones, right? I mean, they let Minnesota back into that game. They let New England back into the game last week. Hurts hasn't really taken off yet in the first two games. Yeah, they're running the heck out of the ball. But what are your impressions of the Eagles' first two times out this year? Well, I mean, look, if you compare last year to this year, they're, they're you know, last year they averaged 12 yards a catch offensively. This year they're down to nine. Last year they averaged about 1.4 field goals a game. This year they're kicking more, way more field goals. They're not the same team offensively or defensively. You know, they have not proven that. They've been very fortunate. They've turned the ball over. Fumbles. I mean, they've been able to get a pick six against New England. They've got a bunch of fumbles against Minnesota. They got one against New England. Uh, they're going to have to take it up another level. Their offensive line, they've allowed more pressure. I mean, last year he was sacked 8% of the time on his throws. This year he's up to 12% of the time on sacks. So people are getting to him. People are playing him differently. Look, this was going to happen, Dan. They were going to study – every NFL coordinator was going to study him in the offseason. How do we stop him? And they're going to take away A.J. Brown. They're going to take away the big play. And they're going to try to hold up with the run game and see if they'll stay disciplined enough to run the ball. I wrote a column on Decent today about it. If you look at the numbers from last year, what they finished, to this year. Last year they scored 207 points in the second quarter alone. This year they've scored 10 in two games. So they're different. They're, they're playing differently. And then offense, defensively, the defensive front is in the same. Hassan Riddick hasn't had a sack in two games. Last year they got 60 sacks out of their defensive front out of 70 of the team. If you block them, I don't care how much they paid Slay. I don't care how much they played Badbury. You could really attack them. And now they've got injuries in their secondary. Reed Blankenship was the green dot player. He's yep. not playing. And Maddox is going to be out for the season with a, with a, with a pec muscle. Bradbury's coming off the concussion. Look, if you can block them up front, Brendan Graham doesn't have a sack. Like I said, Riddick doesn't have one. If you block them up front, which the last two games, teams have blocked them. New England had every chance to win the game. Jefferson put, puts the ball out. They lose that. They're going to go in there and score, make that 14 to 10. So they've been lucky. They, they, lucky is the wrong word. They've been fortunate. They haven't played their best, and they still won, which is a good sign. But they're nowhere near the team they were last year after two games. No doubt about that. Michael Lombardi, our guest here on 98.7 ESPN. Jordan Love, an impressive season debut last night. Now, granted, it's only a couple of starts for him in his NFL career, and we know that the Bears are probably going to have a long season, but did you see growth from the player last week out at Soldier Field? I think what Matt LaFleur did, and I've been critical of Matt LaFleur, I, I think he changed the offense to fit Love, which I think he needed to do, right? 
He changed the offense to fit Love so that Love was comfortable. He relied on Aaron Jones. He relied on, on the players that he knew could make plays. He didn't even have, you know, Christian Watson. He had Dobbs, and Dobbs made plays. So their offensive lines part strength of their team. Their running game's part strength. Even though they didn't run the ball well against the Bears, their backs are really good in the pass game. And, look, this Packer team has been underrated all summer. They're really good on defense. They're good on defense. Now, they struggle at times to stop the run. It'll be an interesting game in Atlanta this weekend. Can they stop the run? But they're good on defense. They have enough talent. And all Love has to do is be the point guard. Just distribute the football to some of these playmakers that they have, particularly Aaron Jones, and and they'll be much better. Before we say goodbye, tell me about the book, Football Done Right, setting the record straight on coaches, players, and the history of the NFL. What made you want to write it? Well, you know, I've been around a lot of historians, right? I started out with Bill Walsh, who's a great historian of the game. I worked for Ernie Corsi, who's a great historian. Belichick loves the history of the game. He takes great pride in it. And, of course, Al Davis made the history of the game. And I would listen to him tell me stories. One day I walked in there to tell him we could, we're trading for Randy Moss. I think I got the Randy Moss trade done. We finally got, we got a, the best receiver in all of football, and, I, and he spent 45 minutes lecturing me on why Lance Allworth was the best receiver. <laughs> so I've been around – I've been around people that respect it, and I really felt some of the coaches are not getting their praise. Paul Brown, the Coach of the Year Award should be named after Paul Brown. He was he started this whole coaching profession. Mm-hmm. To not honor the man is wrong. you know. And then I don't think it's fair for the criteria. Marty Schottenheimer is the eighth winningest coach in NFL history. Eighth winning. He's one of eight men that have 200 regular season wins. One of eight out of 521 gentlemen that have called themselves head coaches. He can't get a sniff to get in the Hall of Fame. When you're one of eight, out of 521, you're an elite class, an elite class. You to belong in the Hall of Fame. You say he didn't win a Super Bowl. Okay, great. Neither did George Allen. He didn't win a Super Bowl. Don Coryell didn't win a Super Bowl either. Nobody can compete with Marty's win percentage. You say, well, he folds in the playoffs. He, his teams, unfortunately, didn't win a lot of playoff games, but he won 200. You know how hard it is to win 200 regular season games? Mike, you're preaching you know how to the choir. I mean, it's ridiculous that the man can't even get a sniff. They treat it like you can win the games like it's easy. And that's why I wrote the book. I wanted to help somebody. We would not have, when Joe Burrow deposits his checks into his bank account for the highest paid quarterback in the league, he should thank Clark Shaughnessy. He doesn't even know who Clark Shaughnessy is because without Clark Shaughnessy, there would be no quarterback position. And we can't get Clark Shaughnessy in the Hall of Fame. You want to talk about coaches? I've been sitting here pounding the table. What about Dan Reeves? Same thing. Dan Reeves took how many teams to the yeah, Super Dan Bowl? Reeves, it's, it's, now, Dan's got over 200 if you count his playoffs. He's taken two different franchises to Super Bowls. He's also drafted two Hall of Fame players. He gets no credit. How about George Seifert? Everybody says, well, Seifert just won mm-hmm. because of, uh, of the 49ers. I mean, Seifert's won two Super Bowls. Like, they didn't say this about Barry Switzer when he took over for Jimmy Johnson. So like like what's the criteria? And that's Mike Holmgren, another one. Uh, Mike Shanahan invented the outside zone. There you go. The technique of the outside zone. He can't get a sniff. And so you know. And look, I'm not trying to get anybody out of the Hall of Fame. I'm not. I mean, Dick Vermeil's the 35th winningest coach. All these guys we've mentioned is ahead of Dick. Dick got in. Dick won one Super Bowl. He got in because he had people supporting, which is great. Leave them in there. But what are we going to do with the other guys? The only person that doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame that's in there is George Preston Marshall for a lot of reasons that I write about in the book. So to me, that's why if you don't have a criteria, it's hard to understand it. If you just go by what Twitter thinks of the coach, then you're going to throw – then guys that don't win, playoff games are going to get out. But we have so many coaches in there 
that didn't win playoff games that maybe had a record, George Allen, 71% winning percentage. It's tremendous. Only coached seven years in the league. I mean, eight years in the league. It's like he was coaching forever. And, and he lost the Super Bowl. So it's it's so inconsistent. Uh, Sterling Sharp's one of the best receivers in oh, football. He can't even absolutely. get up to it. I absolutely. mean, we got guy Tommy McDonald got in the Hall of Fame. Now I know he's got eighty five touchdowns. Tommy McDonald got traded for a kicker. It's unbelievable. I, I can't wait to get my hands on this book, actually. I thought it was supposed to be on its way. I think it is, but I, I can't wait to read it because I'm in lockstep with you. Paul Brown, the father of the modern game of pro football, even when it comes to how coaches map out practice schedules, for crying out loud. That's all Paul there would Brown, be no, Mike. There would be no coaches, and that's what I start the book off. I start the book off calling these five coaches the White Oaks, which is a tree from Shawshank that basically has, is a tree of hope, and it has the longest, brand, longest roots. And these five have the longest roots. Red Blake, the lonely end. He was the guy that extended the formation. Clark Shaughnessy, the T formation. We wouldn't have quarterbacks. Bill Walsh, the West Coast offense. Paul Brown, the Bill Gates of coaching. He developed the software for coaching. And then Sid Gilman, who basically coined the phrase, if you want to throw the ball, if you want to score, you got to throw the ball. Those five guys, everybody somewhere comes from that tree. You say Shula. Shula comes from Paul Brown. Chuck Mm -hmm. Knoll. Chuck Knoll comes from Paul Brown, and 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 uh, and he worked for sure. So he's been there. He was with Sid Gilman and Paul Brown. So you got to understand where these coaches come from. And when when I would get on the team bus, man, and I worked for the 49ers, I had to sit behind Coach Walsh because in case he needed something, I had to be there. And he would always be doodling Clark Shaughnessy plays because he wanted to see what play he could bring from the past into the present based on his offense. To me, that's a powerful tool. Football done right, setting the record straight on coaches, players, and the history of the NFL. You heard a little bit of it there. You could read more about it, too, in the book. Any football fan would want to get their hands on it. Mike, great stuff. Let's do it again soon. Best of luck with the book, and uh, enjoy the football this weekend, my friend. We'll catch up soon. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right, there's Michael Lombardi, host of the Lombardi Line on VEASAN. That book is right up your alley. It's right up my alley as a football fan, a diehard who appreciates the history of the game, so I can't wait to get my hands on it there. Um, When we come back... Week two NFL picks. We'll try to squeeze in a couple of calls as well. Dan Gross until the top. Then it's the weekend wager right here on 98.7 ESPN.